All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. Even then, I was doing all the things to heal my adrenals. I was doing the meditation. I was taking the supplements. I was doing the diet, doing, doing, doing. I wasn't being. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to episode 200 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I'm tuning in from Las Vegas and I have my sister here across the country. Hello. <laughs> this is Lauren tuning in from Maryland. Oh my gosh. 200. We it's did a it. big day. It's it a, big a big day. day. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe. We've done 50 episodes a year for four years now. I don't know where the time has gone. And as we were both preparing this morning, we did not even talk about this, but we were both listening to episode one of the podcast at the same time. Yeah. I thought that was so funny. A little research and development, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think we were both surprised it wasn't like cringeworthy like I remembered it being. <laughs> you know, most people say you don't want to go back and listen to the first one, but it wasn't bad. Yeah. Funny that it was just audio, not video, but I was squinting one eye as if as if I was watching a movie and didn't want to see. <laughs> oh. Squinting my yeah. eye. I was like, oh, what is this going to be? But we both listened back because we got a few questions, perhaps coincidentally, or perhaps not asking us to share what we've changed our minds or perspectives about over the last few years. I think that question kind of stumped both of us. A thousand percent. 
Yeah. So we both went back. I went back to listen to episode one to hear. I was like, am I going to say something that I just totally disagree with now? And I suppose refreshingly, no, nothing massively different, but we will share some things. We will. But our first episode, if you're new here or if you dropped in in season four or five, six, gosh, we have eight now. Season one, episode one, we introduce the term biohacking. And we haven't really done that since. So if biohacking still is like, what does this mean? If you can't explain it to your friends and your family, I'm going to say go back and listen to episode one. We talk about what it is, the definition in the, in the dictionary, our definitions, who it's for. Yeah. We think it's for everybody. For everyone. <laughs> yeah. My answer hasn't changed too much in four years about that. And about what actually, biohacking is. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing we said in that episode, we were like, we don't think this is a trend. We think it's here to stay. I thought that was funny because here we are four years later. Wait, you could ask that question again. I may have a different answer today. I'm still a little bit skeptical that maybe biohacking will not hang on forever for a, a few reasons. I think there still is this slightly, I don't want to use the word negative, slightly jilted perspective about biohacking, that it is kind of a magic pill, band-aid, we're bypassing, right, shortcut in. And I think there are a lot of people that engage in biohacking, you know, through that lens. But if the term biohacking doesn't stick around, like everything that we're doing is not going to change. Perhaps the name will change. Because it's still the same perspective. It's still a curiosity. We're still using healthy skepticism. We're still doing N of one experimentation. We're using data quantification. We're asking questions. It may just exist under a different umbrella term, perhaps. Yeah. And our mutual friend, Elias Arjan, I've had some discussions with him on this because he was a biohacker for a long time, but he no longer really uses that term. And he doesn't think the term is going to stick around like you were just saying. And the way he explained it was actually very scientific is he showed me there's like this curve of how trends kind of come and go. And it always starts with like the early adopters, you know, the 5% that are way ahead of the curve, like people like our dad, you know, that were doing it way before anyone knew about it. And then there's like the next level, like us, we've really incorporated it into our life. But then there's actually like a jump where a trend has to make that jump to then hit the rest of the population. And he's like, I don't think biohacking is going to make that jump. But what will is health span and longevity. Mm. That is going to make the jump. And most of the population is going to grasp onto that, which makes sense because who doesn't want to live a longer, healthier life? And when you say that to people, I think they can resonate more with that than the word biohacking, which, you know, the word hacking just, that's, it's hard for people to get past that when they think of, you know, computer hacking and things Mm -hmm. like that. So interesting. Yeah. But interesting that it's just a terminology difference. Everything in biohacking is geared towards longevity, anti-aging, living a better, easier, more fulfilling, vibrant life. It's just a word. Right. It's different. And I, I think that is kind of could potentially be its downfall fall is the way that we explain it and introduce it and dispense it into the world. And then there's also kind of the issue or the challenge around the biohacking industry kind of being insular and not integrating and bridging other gaps out in the wellness industry, which could definitely be a thing. But it really yeah, is all the same cause. Right. But maybe not welcoming. Maybe we're not welcoming enough people into the space. Like you go to the conferences, you see the same people year after year after year, but we got to get the new people in. So health optimization, health span, longevity, 
Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it, we're here for it. Yeah. Just the the no-name trend. The no-name <laughs> path to live to your 200. Not really. I don't want to live till 200, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, me either. So we're going to do a little of a, a little bit of a Q&A interview style episode. It'll be a little more of a recap. We're going to interview each other. We're actually going to interview some other people, some external interviews. We have some fun surprises for you. I'm not even going to tell you who it is, but we're going to drop in on a few people and have them share with us what are the three most important things that they have learned about their health or started to engage in that really made a, 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 a huge impact on their wellness journey. So we'll drop into that after we ask each other some questions. Wahaha. So yeah, I guess we have to revisit this number one because it was the one that we got multiple times from people. What have you changed your mind or perspective about in the last few years? And I'm going to make it easier on you, Renee, if you want to extend that to five years, 10 years, anything that you can think back and say, oh gosh, did I really think that, believe that, tell people that? Yeah. Yeah. The answer. The time, <laughs> the time frame is what really got me. Cause I was like really trying to think in the last two to three years, what have I changed? What am I telling clients differently? What have I backtracked on? And I, I really couldn't think of anything. And so this is what hit me is the use of plant medicine or plant teachers, whatever you want to call it. Because I think, you know, we grew up in the age of don't do drugs, drug awareness, dare, right. We all have the dare mm-hmm. t-shirts and the dare classes. And I think I put everything into that category of a drug. And now we know these plant teachers, things like psilocybin or ayahuasca, wachuma, ketamine to some extent, even though you know it's more synthetic. But I think that those can be a game changer in the big puzzle piece, right? I'm not saying like just do a psilocybin journey and everything will be cured, but I think it can be a piece of the biohacking realm. And it's maybe not for everyone, just like most things in biohacking, it's not for everyone, but it could be for you. And I have a very high respect for these plant teachers because they can teach us a lot. So yeah, I would say, that I guess that was like my big perspective shift. And that really happened in the last two years. So I guess in the big picture, it's kind of recent. Can you share, was there a pivotal moment or a turning point where maybe it was an aha moment where you went, oh my gosh. I feel differently or was it subtle, a subtle transition? I think it was multiple experiences kind of growing on each other or building upon each other. I mean, Lauren, you know, I had like a quote unquote bad experience where I was like, I'm never doing this again. People in the space that said this isn't for everyone. They were right. It's not for me. I'm never touching this stuff again. But that was actually the pivotal moment of me learning that I need to learn how to be and not be doing all the time. So the being versus doing was huge. And looking back, even like at my adrenal health journey, which people have heard about on the podcast, you know, which was was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even then I was doing all the things to heal my adrenals. I was doing the meditation. I was taking the supplements. I was doing the diet, doing, doing, doing. I wasn't being. And plant Mm. medicine, like the beauty of it is it makes you so present, right? Like you almost forget that you have a job or a cell phone or like, like anything else exists because you are so, so present. And I've experienced times where being that present was uncomfortable. And that was the lesson of learning to just be in space for a little bit and not be doing things. That's so powerful. Yeah. Especially on any healing journey, a lot of us, no matter what your pain point is, I think it can get 
almost a little manic where we want an outcome so badly that we'll do anything, we'll try anything. And it really does develop an attachment to outcome. And I think that's the difference with plant teachers. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey truly because you don't really know what's going to happen. You can't go into it and say, I'm going to go from point A to point B. The plants are going to say, oh, we're going to start a plant at point A. We're not going to tell you where you're going to go. We're going to show you what you need to see and, and maybe what path you can take. But the end is a little bit unfamiliar and can be a surprise and can be unexpected. I And I hear, not to make this all about plant medicine, we could probably go on forever, but the biggest kind of scare moment or I guess fear that people have that I hear going into any kind of experience with plant medicine, whether it be micro, macro, whichever substance, is I won't be able to control myself. That scares me. I don't want to be in a place where I can't control. And I think to relate it back to what you were saying, Renee, I think doing is a form of control, right? If oh, we yeah. have, if we keep doing and going down the checklist and keep ourselves busy and distract and try this and try that, that's all a form of control. Some people I think are more challenged with control than others, but I think in general, that's our, our way of survival in the world. If we can control, then it feels safer and it oh, feels yeah. very scary and unsafe to not have that control. But that is actually the biggest gift and blessing and opportunity with plant medicine is that we realize we don't have to control. If you can surrender and, and surrendering doesn't necessarily mean give away your power or lose connection, like authentic connection to self, but it's ex acceptance and honesty, self-compassion. There's all these words that come to mind where we don't have to try so hard. We can sit back and be and allow. Yeah. Terrifying, terrifying, it terrifying. But when you get to that point where you can be in that space on that edge of discomfort and try to surrender, it feels really, really freeing. Yeah. That, God, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's such a good point. And even in Costa Rica, when I was doing a journey there, something that someone said to me is that eating disorders are a form of control. And I, so I struggled with that for a long time. I never really thought about that by being able to restrict my food. It was a way of me being in control and feeling safe. I don't know if there was something else in my life I wasn't feeling safe about, but that was my control. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, there's a million ways people can practice that type of control, but. Yeah. I think there's an, a lot of analogies and they could get fairly dark, but people that cut themselves say, you know, that's a form of feeling something that's very controlled and, and. Uh, I suppose, curated, right? It's like, I'm going to decide this part of my body. If I inflict pain, then I won't, I'll distract myself from all the other pain and unknowns. Yeah. And even though it's a painful occurrence, it is a form of control. I think most addictions probably are. And we could be addicted to supplements and to biohacking, be addicted to a lot of things. So yeah, I think to circle back more being less doing, what does that bring us? This is yeah. a scary thing to do. But yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think plant teachers, again, not for everyone and like truly not for some people on, on the no fly, fly list, like schizophrenic on certain medications cannot. And then also there's some people that, you know, you just may not be interested and that's okay. We're all on, a, on different journeys. And I think for health and wellness, we have to decide what do we want for ourselves? Only you can answer that. And is it okay if I go into my answer to the question? Yeah, go for it. 
I was just thinking again, not too much has changed, but I think early days of me personal training, everything was so prescriptive. And I think also early days of health coaching, a little prescriptive because you learn certain tools and strategies and protocols and you think, well, this is the prescription for health. Everyone should be doing X, Y, and Z. And we know about biochemical individuality, but just as the years have gone on, it just is more and more clear how profoundly different we are. Yeah. So just think 20 years ago when I started training at New York Sports Club, you know, every program looked the same. We always started with a multi-joint exercise. We moved down the list according to, to muscle size and ability, right? You always finish with the abdominals. <laughs> yeah. It was always the same template, always. But I didn't have as many tools in the toolbox. So I think that's really like what has come over the years. The toolbox has grown. So now the more tools you have, the more capability you have to, you know, paint a masterpiece, right? If you only have three yeah. crayons, it's going to be, of course, prescriptive. So I think in the wellness industry, whether it's personal training, health coaching, any biological medicine, functional medicine, any anybody, therapy, mental wellness, plant medicine, the one size fits all is just so far, like not another planet to me. So it's not that you have to be an expert in all of these areas, but I do think as the toolbox grows, you, you have more capability to really hear what someone wants and needs. And sometimes that alone is really valuable. I think that's another thing that has changed. It's like, no matter what the person wanted, I'm going to tell them they have to drink half their body weight in water. They're going to eat 10 servings of vegetables in a day. They're going to eat eight hours. I have this client I worked with last week. She won't eat vegetables. Her energy is amazing. She feels amazing. She doesn't have a pain point. She doesn't want to change. So I'm like, I can't make you eat vegetables. What's the point of yeah. me making you eat vegetables? It does not fit into what you want. I can still educate her and tell her the benefits to mental health, to energy, to DNA methylation, right? I think we have plenty of science, but still, if it doesn't fit into what the other person wants and needs, the client gets to decide where they want to go on their health journey. And then we have the responsibility of as health coaches to still educate and and highlight blind spots and and nudge and and nourish where we see fit. But not everyone's going to be the same. Yeah, personal, all personal. It's funny. It's personal training, but it was <laughs> not the most personalized. It was not plan. personal. It was general training. <laughs> general one -on -one training, training at the New York, yeah, at the New York Sports Club. Yeah, you get to be the only one that's yelled at for an hour, but you're going to have the pretty much the same program as the last client. <laughs> That's crazy. Crazy. We've come a long way. Yeah. So I think uh, what I'm trying to get across is having less of an agenda and just more listening. Perhaps that fits in with what you mentioned about the clan teachers, like more being and less doing, allowing that space to really hear needs, wants, wishes, and for me to push less. I don't need to put my agenda on anybody else. That's a constant you know, learning lesson and challenge. We have to keep not making it about ourselves, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's it. Nothing massive has changed. I think it's still just like a fine tuning of really just allowing, surrendering and like meeting the client on a given day where they are, what do they need? Not pushing an agenda. Yeah, because everyone's going to have maybe that, you know, one or two things that they just, yeah, they're not ready to change. But there's a million other things that we can educate on and help them change where they're willing and wanting to do. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess just one other little tiny thing that I thought about enzymes. I used to push them on everyone. I'm a little less pushy about the enzymes across the board for everyone. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What are the thoughts there? I don't know that they'll hurt. I still have just a little skepticism about all these vegetable capsules that we're swallowing <laughs> and just trying to, if there's not a need for it, we could probably spend our money and energy elsewhere. So I think if we have ad- ad- adequate evidence through blood chemistry, stool testing, which, you know, you guys, we've talked about on this podcast, maybe not super accurate, but I think we could gather enough evidence that someone maybe would not get the best bang for their buck spending money on the enzymes, maybe somewhere else. So I still think they're highly important. I take them because I think they're really important for me and I notice the difference. But that was one like across the board. I used to say, everyone, digestive enzymes, everyone. Now I'm yeah. a, a little. And I just had a client with a stool analysis that, that we just, stool analysis that we did. And before he did the test, I'm immediately thinking digestive enzymes. It comes back. His pancreatic function is like amazing. High. Green. Green. But his fat digestion, malabsorption. There's a lot going on there. So in that case, I'm thinking more, you know, ox bile and bitters. So not just like a full-blown digestive enzyme complex, but I would have been guilty of that recommendation if I hadn't seen the test. Mm, yeah, yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. Sometimes there's just more nuance there. And I've had clients that have particular macro enzymes, such as, you know, the fat enzymes or protein enzymes that they're deficient in and not the others. Yeah. So I think a, a compound and like systemic enzyme is probably not going to, again, not hurt anybody, but what do you need potentially more of like that client specifically? Yeah. Much better served with bitters, support the gallbladder, fat metabolism. Interesting. Testing. Test don't guess y'all. <laughs> Test don't guess. <laughs> we have not changed our mind about that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'm going to give that one the long haul. I think we're going to be saying that for our lifetime. If I had to put for money sure. on it. Yeah. Okay. Next question. In episode one, Renee, you said that your ultimate biohack. Oh, this is hilarious. Did not time this out. You said your ultimate biohack was using apple cider vinegar and HCL for digestion. That is kind of funny. Do you still agree with that? No. (laughs) I mean, I still think it's great, but I guess it kind of ties into the whole digestive conversation so many people are struggling to digest their food, right? But there's so many nuances to why that's happening. It's also, you know, I mean, lifestyle really matters. Like, are you sitting down? Are you chewing your food? Are you being mindful, right? There's so many things we can do before supplements. But I think my approach back then was also, you know, apple cider vinegar vinegar or HCL is my favorite way to prevent food poisoning. Mm -hmm. I think it was part of that, but it was also how do we support protein digestion and the whole idea of, you know, disease begins in the gut. If we can digest our food and absorb the nutrients better, we're going to be healthier. It's maybe in my top 10, but I wouldn't say it's number one. Yeah. I would say it's in my personal top 10, but are you talking about dispensing that advice to other people? Is that what you're- I think at the time I was, at the time I was, but now, yeah, yeah, I think that's too broad of a thing. I think now it's got to be so personal tell most people to do apple cider vinegar, not as a prescriptive, but introduce as experiment with this, see how you feel, notice your digestion, notice what your glucose does. If you don't see any positive effect or feel any positive effect, then not for you. But I probably would still introduce those two. And for myself, apple cider vinegar, HCL, definitely. I know that I don't produce enough stomach acid naturally. And I'm trying to, you know, it's, part of my current health protocol, trying to build that back up. 
but I understand yeah. what you're saying. Not across the board. We have to get yeah. to know how people are eating. How are you digesting? Are you sitting down, breathing, chewing? Are you eating in a stress state? Are you eating in your car? Not saying I never do that. I certainly eat in the car sometimes, but most yeah. of the time you want to sit and eat and be in a rest and digest state. Right. You know and apple cider vinegar isn't just about the HCL side of it, right? It's also, like you said, great for blood sugar, detoxification, stomach acid. Like it does more than just HCL. So top 10, not number one. But I yeah. also threw in there Aura Ring. I think we both cheated. We kind of like threw a second favorite biohack in there. Aura Ring is still. And you did it again. You got a number two. <laughs> yeah. Aura Ring is still top of the game for me. What was your other favorite biohack? I could not believe this. I, if I had to guess what I had said in episode one without listening, I wouldn't have guessed this. It's not like completely out of the realm because I still do it. But I said cold showers as my number one ultimate biohack. Yeah, I didn't know you were so into cold four years ago. I didn't remember that. I don't remember that either. Yeah. I didn't say cold submersion. I said cold showers, I think, because I had better access of course I have access to a shower. Thank you. <laughs> I'm clean. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. I mentioned really the impact on the nervous system, how it can upregulate and balance and how, just how much it makes me feel alive. It didn't get too scientific about it, but I, yeah, that was interesting to me. Cold shower. Is it still my ultimate? We'll put it in the top 10, maybe the top five, definitely cold exposure, but not number one, because I feel like can't do it every single day. Shouldn't do it every single day. Diminishing effects after 11 to 12 minutes in a week. So it's really limited. My number one is going to have to be morning sunshine because I can't get enough of that. And I can do that every single day. And it has made potentially the biggest impact on consistency in my body. Like I don't wake up to an alarm anymore. It's very difficult for me to get off schedule unless I'm you know, I'll travel and build up a sleep debt and I'll pay it back pretty much immediately. But my body just knows like, this is the clock that we're running on. And I just feel a sense of ease and a lot of consistency. And that's, I accredit that to getting morning sunshine and it's free. We love free. Yeah. So cold top five morning sunshine, ultimate number one, it's going, it's going up into the number one slot. And I would put money on that one tracking over a long period of time. Hmm. Yeah. I, morning sunshine is probably my favorite. And it's free, like you said, so no excuses. <laughs> I think shrugs. it's been, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's free. I mean, that's been a game changer for, since I lived in Vegas, since I moved to Vegas, I never got morning sunshine in Maryland. It was dark almost every day that I went to work. Never mm. saw the sun the whole day. Mm. Now it's, it's so hard different. to think of going back to that now that you've experienced it. I'm sure. No, don't make me do it. <laughs> Yeah. Like at least my 20 minute morning sunshine. And then if, I mean, if I can, I'll still get outside for 20, 30 minutes during the day to get more sun, more like yeah. that high noon exposure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's helped. I mean, we could go on and on about that. It's helped with sleep, helps with energy, helps with the recovery, helps with immune function. And I think all of you know that listening, I think we're all morning sunshine people. Yeah. But I'm curious for everyone to just answer for themselves in their head. What's, what's the number one for you? What makes you feel the best? Because it could still be different for everyone. Just like, oh, the sun is more powerful than anything on the earth. But <laughs> yeah, still to each their own. And it's yeah. important for you to acknowledge what that truth is for yourself. So question number three, if you had, I hate this question, but I made this question. <laughs> it's your fault. I hate, I hate that I wrote this question. <laughs> 
if you had to wear one data tracker for the rest of your life, what would it be, Renee? Aura ring. <laughs> Still comes back to the aura ring. I've had so many trackers, but it just ease of wearing it overall, the data. I mean, no trackers out there are hundred percent accurate. So, you know, taking that aside, the aura ring, I just, the, the readiness score, the sleep score, the, the data in there. I just, I love it. It's been five years and it has not come off my hand. I mean, other than when I charge it, obviously, but mm -hmm. still number one. And when people ask me too, if I'm only going to buy one tracker, I still say the aura ring. Mm -hmm. What about you? Aura ring, baby. Oh man. I and want this, it to yeah. be the CGM. I really want it to be the CGM because I think that has been profound in what I have learned about how I respond to foods, to stress, to exercise. I still am going to preach about this. So the day that I die, I think everyone needs to wear a CGM. I cannot tell you how many clients have come to me and, and said, I thought that I was eating healthy until I put on a CGM. I think that is just so incredibly valuable. All future forecasts towards the end of this podcast, but for this, the sake of this question, I still say aura ring because I think for the recovery aspect, specifically when under the weather or sick, it really helps me stay on top subjectively of how I feel because I am more of a doer, go-getter. I'll, you know, in the past, we both have done this because we had many experiences with burnout. So our tendency is to do more. And so it's caught me so many times and been like kind of the, the cautionary tale, like take it easy. Even before I recognize that I'm not feeling well, I love that the aura ring is like, Hey, not Slow your day. Down. Yeah. Slow Cause down. I would otherwise just pop out of bed and go for it and then do some damage, which I did many, many times in the past. And I, I think I've been much more even keel because I get the warning signs. And I still think the end goal is to be so intuitive and in tune with your body that you don't need the data, but I just, I am not there myself. I am on a quest for that. I hope that everyone is on a quest to do that, but even just something like COVID, the HRV plummet that happens so quickly before you have any symptoms. I don't know how to feel that before it comes up. I think yeah. it's amazing. And the little increase in body temperature, potentially even mm -hmm. a 0.5 or one degree, you might not feel that especially for women, because we're fluctuating our temperatures all month long. You may not feel that one, one degree, but that's your body saying, Hey, yeah, I want to hit the brakes. Yeah. It's a big sign. And as much as I want it to be the CGM, I still think focusing on the sleep aspect, if your sleep is better, we know your glucose is going to be better. So really it kind of, it does take priority focusing on the sleep and the recovery, but still get a CGM. Okay. But also the ease of use. I mean, the CGM is I really, I oh, hate having anything in my arm. It's mm -hmm. not the cheapest thing. You can only do, you know, four weeks. You're paying, you're paying. That'll get better. That'll get better. But it will be more accessible, easier to use, less expensive for sure. But also it's a short-term thing. Like you said, ease of wear for the aura ring. You can keep it on forever. You buy it one time. You know, I've had many go kaput. I have like a little graveyard of all of my aura rings that have died <laughs> over the years. Oh no, the biohacking graveyard. I don't want to, I don't want to get rid of them because they look like jewelry. So I'm just, I want to see how many I can collect over time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Make a necklace out of them eventually. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So we're in agreement there on the aura ring. Next question. What health trend annoys you Renee Bells the most? <laughs> what grinds your gears? Yeah, I think, well, the first one, I think we kind of, we both agree the mouth taping. Ugh. 
And I get so many companies that send me mouth tape and theirs is the best on the market and all of that. But it all goes back to one, do you really need it? Two, could it potentially be harmful? And that's a big thing in biohacking. Like if there is a potential harm to try something, like you definitely need to go slow and do your research, right? There's a lot of things we can do and worst case, it doesn't do anything. But if you have sleep apnea or you have, you know, restriction in your sinuses, mouth taping can be extremely dangerous. I mean, think about it. If you're not breathing through your nose and you slap this tape on your mouth, how are you going to breathe while you're sleeping? It's like a form of torture, actually. Yeah. I'm surprised it's how many people are still pushing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan. And I'm speaking from a one, because I think it's dangerous, everything that you just said. Two, because personally, I've never noticed a difference. Doesn't change my recovery metrics, doesn't have any impact on my sleep. And so Same. it's an extra step that I, is not worth it for me. But as Renee said, do your research, figure out if this could be a good worthwhile experiment for you. But certainly if you have any obstruction, any sleep disorder, breathing, of course, apneas, anything structural in your jaw or your mouth, we definitely want to clear that first before you just seal the place where you can get air yeah. and then pay attention. Like how do you feel? Do you wake up with more energy? Did you sleep more peacefully? Is your data showing that? For me, it never was enough. So I'm not going to do it. But yeah, I hate, again, that's like a prescription. Everyone do this. It's good for everybody. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Also the mouth breathing. Everyone seems to be so anti don't ever breathe out of your mouth. How can you not ever breathe out of your mouth? Yes, you should be able to control your nasal breathing and primarily use nasal breathing to control your nervous system, perhaps when you're exercising, not that you have to do it every time you exercise, but it's probably a good idea to be able to only nasal breathe when you're exercising, but to blanket statement, tell people that they should never be breathing out of their mouth ever. There's a reason I, we can. There's a reason that we can. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe zone two training. And I'm pretty mindful of that zone two training. I'm really trying to only breathe through my nose, but when I'm really getting it up there with like high intensity, Sometimes I just have to breathe through my mouth to get that high. To me, that's reasonable. Yeah. And also breath work. There's some breath work practitioners. I see a lot of them on Instagram saying, seal your lips shut. Breath work only happens through your nose. I also, I just disagree with that. I think we should be able to choose and have different modalities and different techniques because I think they're all valuable. Right. But yeah. Right. Check in with your nasal breathing. Make sure that you can nasal breathe if and when you need to do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. different techniques. Sometimes it's in through the nose, out through the nose, or in through the nose, out through the mouth, in through the mouth, out through the mouth. Like, right. There's like different combinations depending on what your goal of that breathwork session is. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, this is not quite related. I'm going to go on a quick tangent. I know we're talking way too much. I apologize, but there's a breathwork app that I love. It's not a knock on them, but there's an altered breathing pattern that they advise sometimes when they bring physical movement in, there's some breathwork tracks where it's like, do some squats or do a walking breathwork session. And I get a little triggered because on a squat in particular, they say to inhale as you squat down and exhale as you stand up, which feels so counterintuitive to me. I don't know if it's because I learned a different way of breathing from Paul Check, but essentially I learned as a practitioner, anytime you're moving towards the fetal position, you want to exhale, right? Right. You're releasing energy, chi, energy out of breath, life force out of your body. Exhale. Think of like a balloon deflating. Squat. 
versus the inhale. I always think about those wavy balloons that are outside of the car, like the auto dealerships, not the auto, the dealerships, right? When they're full of air, they're alive and dancing. So same thing. You stand tall, you expand, you move away from the fetal position, inhale. And I've heard many breathwork tracks where they exhale down and inhale. And I'm like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Once I've you think really about it, attention. it becomes really awkward. Mm, mm. So I, I think just any of the prescriptive breathwork stuff, I'm not saying there's one right or way, right or wrong way, but it's really like another opportunity to have a conversation with yourself. Like what feels good? What if I try something a little bit different? Does this work for me? If it doesn't work for you. Scrap it and move on. If it does, you'd be like, yeah, I adopt this. Great. For me, I cannot yeah. inhale at the bottom of a squat. Don't ask me to. I hate it. <laughs> it's like the pat your head, rub your belly. You feel like super awkward when you're doing that. No, actually, it would be like reverse that. Pat your belly and rub your head. Can you? Oh. <laughs> this is a great video right now. Yeah. This feels so weird. Anyways, I think we agree on that too. This is not meant to be in a, a complete agreement episode, but yeah, mouth taping. A little bit related. What in the biohacking space do you wish would go away? You want to go first? Yeah. I'm certainly just kind of over the whole echo chamber that seems to be very strong hearing across YouTube channels, across podcasts. Of course, there's cross-pollination, right? As biohackers, we have a community and that's important. But a lot of us end up interviewing each other again because we're, we're friends. But I'm talking about even you know, potentially bigger people that we don't know that really have a strong voice in the community and in the public that are just regurgitating information rather than teaching people how to think for themselves. And to me, that's always been a Paul Check thing. He's very anti, you know, the traditional educational system, which teaches people what they should know rather than teaching them how to think. And I think that's a reflection and a lesson for me and perhaps us as practitioners and podcasters. We have to always come back and go, oh gosh, am I pushing this on other people because it works for me? I, I hope not, but I think there is just a natural tendency to do that because we get excited about things that work for us. But I think it's really, really important to come back and question those beliefs, question those trends, and also talk to other people. Yeah. And I just hear it a lot in, in the biohacking space. In particular, I'll just mention one product in particular. It's a greens powder that somehow every podcast is supported by. Because they have a lot of money. They do have a lot of money and they came to us and asked if they could sponsor our podcast. And we said no, because we do not like the product. And I do not think people should be taking it, but it's everywhere. And almost every client that comes to me is on it. I'm like, why do you feel better taking this? I don't know, but so-and-so said I should take it. Let's think for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, the marketing dollars are really paving the way for not only that product, there's a lot of products and we've turned mm -hmm. down multiple sponsors mm -hmm. for similar reasons. Yes, yeah. the money would be great to support the podcast, but oh yeah, I'm just Sorry, not going to no. do it. Not going to do it. Mm -hmm. What about you? Do you have a similar answer? Yeah, I guess kind of on the same line as that is is all the devices. Before we hit record, we were talking about like this biohacking graveyard, and I'm so guilty of it. I have like a drawer of products, and it breaks my heart because I like what am I going to do with them five, ten years down the road? They're going to end up in a landfill and. I hate throwing anything in the trash because I love this planet. And I think 
and it, I'm curious to see what will happen at the biohacking conference in a couple of weeks, like how many new devices are, are going to be. But I'm just seeing so many devices that do this one thing. And then there's 10 more that do the exact same thing. Like I want to see like bigger picture devices that can really do more in one, like even the amp coil, not, you know, the, not the perfect product, but it's combining multiple technologies and balancing multiple things in the body. Mm -hmm. And there's actually another device on the market, which I tried. I used it for months and I just didn't feel a difference. And I get messages all the time on Instagram. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of this? And they're trying to sell it to me. And I'm like, I already have one and it's been sitting in my drawer for a year. And in fact, do you want to buy it off me? Because you seem to love it so much. <laughs> um, but I just, I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time if I don't feel a difference. I actually wish there was some kind of, I don't know if we can build this, like a, a biohacking device website of where you can resell something, not, not saying like resell a junk product, but saying the technology is amazing, but it doesn't work for me. Would you like to try it? And if we could pass things around, then we wouldn't all end mm. up with a drawer closet full of products that are just not doing anyone good. I want to say Pam Gold starting some, started something like that or was involved in it, but it might've been local in New York. I'll have to check in with her and see if that's still a thing. It's such a great idea because I have plenty of things. I like the idea of it, but again, bang for my buck. And also I don't need to add more things to my day. I'm only going to stick to the things that are the most profound and meaningful. Yeah. Not to say it won't help someone else. So yeah, kind of a shared recycling program. Yeah. Mm. Actually, I have this amazing PEMF mat. If anyone wants it, it's seriously amazing. I used it for a year and I loved it. I always combined it with my brain tap and I felt great, but then I got an amp coil and I'm not going to do that and the amp coil because the amp coil has the pump in it and other things. Yeah. But now it's just sitting in my room. Eh. Anyways. Okay. That's my, We're going to start a shared thing. biohacking program because these things can't just go to the graveyard, but yeah. Hopefully you, my O-rings don't count for that. No, I'm going to recycle it into a necklace. So that's okay. Right. I'm not wasteful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think rather you can small. send it. I think you can send it back to Aura Ring and they will recycle it and uh, fix it and can resell it. Oh, great. Okay. Better. I still want my necklace. So not okay. yet. <laughs> but yeah, I do think about All the bigger right. devices like an amp coil. It's just so many parts and it's stuff. And amp coil does a really great job educating about what we're doing. Again, it's like coming back to the why. Why am I using this? Is there something ancestral that I could do? Is there something, uh, you know, some kind of free hack or practice? What am I missing that I could just do right here and now? And then if the answer is I still want that device. And for me, it is like the amp coil is one of my most amazing purchases of all time. I would never regret that. But yeah, I think we need more education and I love your idea. All right. You heard it here first. <laughs> is that all of our questions for each other? That's it. That's a wrap on part one. Hey, biohackers, it's Renee, and I've got something life-changing to share with you. Sleep is crucial for our productivity, well-being, and beauty, of course. No one wants to wake up with those dehydration lines and dark circles. Seriously, beauty sleep is a real thing. So Sleeping Beauty totally knew what was up. <laughs> so picture this. You wake up feeling refreshed, your skin is glowing, and those pesky dehydration lines and dark circles Nowhere in sight. Sounds like a dream, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not only possible, but it's also within your reach. I think we've all experienced a poor night of sleep, whether you struggle to fall asleep or you're tossing and turning all night, and I know it is beyond frustrating. And then I discovered the ultimate secret, magnesium. And not just magnesium, but magnesium breakthrough, and it completely transformed my sleep. 
Now, not all magnesium supplements are created equal, so don't waste your time with those over-the-counter magnesium options. You want to do something like Magnesium Breakthrough, which actually combines seven different forms of magnesium in a single capsule, giving you the full-spectrum magnesium experience you need for optimal results. So here's my nightly routine, which I've been following for a few months. I take two capsules of Magnesium Breakthrough about an hour before bed, and then I find that I drift off faster and I enjoy deeper, more rejuvenating sleep. When morning comes, I'm ready to conquer the day. So say goodbye to restless nights and unlock your best sleep with Magnesium Breakthrough. So are you ready for the exclusive limited time offer? Visit magbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes. That's mag like M-A-G for magnesium. So magbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes and enter the code biohackerbabes10 at checkout. Remember, this offer is only available on the special website. So definitely scroll down to the show notes to find the link. Again, magbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes. All right, let's get back to the show. Part two. Okay, welcoming Jeremy Woodard on the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm going to give him a slightly longer introduction because Renee, your husband, Ryan, got to be on a very long time ago. And Jeremy's never been on. Jeremy is my fiance. I am. And welcome. He was begging me to be on the show. I'm just kidding. Not that was jealous of Ryan. That's all. Just a little bit jealous. So Jeremy is a biohacker <laughs> by default. He has no choice. <laughs> he yeah. must biohack. But yeah, so Jeremy, we're going to ask everyone the same two questions. We want to know, number one, what's your favorite biohack and why? The why is important. Mm. Number two is what is the most impactful lesson you have learned in health and wellness? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I think just off the cuff, my favorite biohack would be getting up like sunshine in the morning, like getting up and getting lights in my eyes. Yeah. I never like, I would just wake up and like zombie to the, to the kitchen, make like a bulletproof coffee and just like, but like getting up, doing that and then going outside, uh, I feel completely different. So easy ones. I keep them easy because every day there's like some new toy or some new things she's saying. So we, I keep it basic like that. Um, and That's so good and, in the best way. Well, it's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, and the number one, as far as health goes, I, for the longest time, didn't realize how important sleep was. And I know Renee's probably gonna raise her hand again and be like, yeah. Hands in the air. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's and and the timing of that. Like uh, I always, you know, growing up, I was up late. I was up till two in the morning all the time, and then and then doing shows for a living, not getting home till you know eleven o'clock. I still there's no way I'd be tired until like two. So my schedule was always like you know two to nine, two to eight, two to nine, and and stayed in that realm. And I thought if I get six hours, I'm good. And then just learning the difference between from six to eight uh is has been beyond beneficial the health benefits of that um because i also live in that world where if i do too much sleep like if i'm like 10 to 12 i'll be groggy when i wake up from that you think you have oh i got 12 hours of sleep i'm gonna be like superman it's not true for me i really have to watch that gauge of like uh i try to get eight no matter what so if i push myself the night before and like we go out i still try to uh, make sure that eight hours even though that's they've been telling us that since kids i've never really paid attention to that until until recently until you guys Yay. What a win. <laughs> I love that. Morning sunshine and optimizing sleep. Yeah. This was not scripted. You guys. I'm learning the cold, the cold showers. I'm getting, that's my next, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting my feet in there. All He's right. Future biohacks. Wet and cold. <laughs> I just wanted to add one more on. I know we said two, but mm. I kind of thought that you were going to mention not eating late. Ooh. I just want to add this in because 
Jeremy is an actor. He still performs, so he does eight shows a week. It's just a very strange schedule being on stage at 10 p.m., cranking out adrenaline under bright lights, you know, dark, moldy theaters. A lot of potential for some crap <laughs> to be, you know, in, in, in your body. And he stopped eating after the show. And you've accredited that to changing your body composition, just helping with your sleep, feeling much more vibrant. And now he's kind of a spokesperson for this. He tells ever <laughs> people at, at work go, man, how do you do it? You look so good. It's like, eat dinner at a normal time. I'm people. telling you, it changes, <laughs> it changes. I was accidentally halfway intermittent fasting. I was always, I never really, breakfast was never really, I never really ate until before 10 o'clock, no matter what. Most of the times I would get up, go work out, not eat till noon. Um, on the flip side of that, though, I would be eating after the shows late at night, so I was probably killing it, but not eating, yeah, after work, game changer. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Excellent. We'll see if we'll see if my husband says the same thing. <laughs> it's hard. Curious. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to do. But worth it? But worth it. This is the last question. Is it worth it, It's sir? worth it. It's <laughs> worth it. I don't nail it every night, but I nail it 90% of the time. And you do it because you feel good, not yes, because I, I told good. you. Just want to make Both. that clear. Both. Okay. <laughs> and I wanna, yeah. And you want to look good. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. You did great. Thanks for coming <laughs> to the Biohacker Base. Thank Wonder. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Nice. Yeah. See you soon. All right. Welcome Molly Eastman to the Biohacker Babes. Um, for those listening, Molly has been on the podcast many, many times, but we wanted to bring her back for our special episode 200 for a quick two round question. So our question thing, <laughs> number one, <laughs> what is your number one favorite biohack? Ah, uh, well, first of all, congratulations on 200. The two Thank of you. you are just such, um, you know, podcasting goals for me. I'm so impressed with what you've put out so much quality yeah. and on the topic of biohacks. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm going to skew fairly sleep centric. And I do have to say that, uh, getting great sleep specifically by leveraging wearables has been such a difference, uh, just in my life and certainly getting to see the impacts for, you know, clients and how they're able to start actually playing the game of getting great sleep and having this be a barometer for the workability of their life, which is really one of the things I think is so interesting about improving your sleep is it also speaks to how are we managing our lives. And, you know, it's not always static. There's a dynamic element to it. And there'd be times when our sleep is working and times when our sleep is not working and that's okay. And when we gain these tools, like the amazing tools that you put out all the time, it can help us nudge ourselves and course correct back into that workability. Awesome. Okay. So using wearables to track our sleep and those listening know that you can't hack what you don't track. So I love that. <laughs> okay. Question number two, what would you say is the most impactful lesson you have learned over the years in the health and wellness field? Mm, I love that too. Okay. I would say oddly, maybe it's just something I'm feeling right now, but I think giving grace to this uh, journey of wellness, because I think there are these times in life when things are, you know, I shared that you might see that things are working with your sleep, but also just in other areas of your health and well-being and, and your life in general. And then I think there are other times when we could use some support. And so in the journey of improving this area, this big, you know, bucket of well, Wellness, uh, I think just giving ourselves that grace and to know that there are going to be times when things are 
rolling more with ease uh, and other times where we might need to call on support from community or certain biohacks or what have you to, to get through those times. And, uh, you know, I was sharing with you before we hit record that um, dealing with, you know, just some uh, from family members that are dealing with their own health and well-being and what have you. And I think in those times, it's so, so powerful to have the tools at our disposal to help support us when we really need it most. I love that advice. Amazing. Thank Amazing. you, Molly. And yeah, oh. and if you want to learn more about sleep, you have to go check out Molly's podcast, Sleep is a Skill, All oh. Things Sleep. Grateful to be on episode 200. Woohoo! <laughs> Thanks, friend. Talk to you Thank soon. You. <laughs> All right, we got Freddie Kimmel. He is a two timer on the Biohacker Babes, and I'm sure will appear many more times as long as this train is moving. Freddie Kimmel, host of the Beautifully Broken podcast. Two questions for you. Yeah. And immediately, I obviously, I want to go to all the tech that I have. I want to think about the amazing new lasers and red light spectrums and hyperbaric chambers and on and on and on. But at the end of the day, it's been my lived experience that what the technology does is it causes a shift. And then I am the one who gets to narrate the story. I am the one who lays down what the experience means to me and how I feel. So I have found my favorite biohack is language. It's the ability to color a story the way in which it will end or uh, continue to be the most beneficial to my growth, to deepening awareness, to my understanding of this human experience. And I just think language is the ultimate biohack. Number two, what's moved the needle the most? Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And it's interesting because my experience with fasting is, I'm going to give it a six out of 10, meaning have I really done a profound deep dive? And the answer is intermittently. I do a lot of intermittent fasting. I've done some extended fasts up to five days, but I had an experience in my journey with a 12-day medically supervised fast in the intensive care unit. And many of the maladies or struggles that I had as far as like chronic pain, brain fog, the symptoms associated with mold and Lyme disease had went away for almost a six-month period after a 12-day medically supervised fast in which I didn't eat and I didn't even drink. And I hold this memory in such a special place in my head and know it's something I want to revisit. And what a it, it's such an Everest to climb. And I just think there's so much potential in going without. The body we always reference is this intuitive healing mechanism, which knows exactly what to do. And in a in an age and a generation of excess of more both social um, inputs and emotional and digital consumption of materials to go without both our phones and food and even water in some respects. For me, I think is the thing that I think has the most untapped potential. So fasting. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to our next very special guest to the podcast. Welcome Ryan. Ryan Bells, my husband. Thanks for joining us today and welcome back. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. I appreciate it. All right. So I want to pick your brain today. Number one, what is your favorite biohack? 
Well, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on 200 episodes of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I could not be more proud of you and Lauren. You guys work your tails off, and it's just so awesome to see that you guys have already gotten to 200 episodes. I love it. So congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My favorite biohacks. Well, being as I am married to one of the Biohacker Babes, I have to have two. So you're just going to have to be. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I'll be quick. So first one is uh, the Muse headband. So for me... I absolutely love that. It's been a little while. I actually need to start using it more again. But for me, it's been excellent because it's really helped to teach me to meditate. And with, you know, especially after a day of poker or, you know, being in sales, I have a busy mind. So being able to just put on that headband and learn how to meditate in a calmer way and ease my mind, it's been a great tool and a great training tool to, to get better at meditation. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen that help you a lot. Yeah. And okay. my second is our infrared sauna. Absolute game changer to have that in our house. I know not everybody might have space in their house for an infrared sauna, but if you can go to a facility where they have them and use them, it's such a great way to detox and just absolutely love the the time using that as much as possible. Yeah. And we're going to use that today, right? Yes. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> and for people that don't have room for a sauna, the infrared sauna blanket from Higher Dose is like such a great biohack to really get the benefits without needing all the space. All right. Next question. Yes. What has been the most impactful lesson you have learned on your health and wellness journey? All right. Well, beings, I am also married to the sleep queen and how much she loves and needs her sleep. It explains why you're so beautiful too, all these hours of beauty sleep you get. But uh, I absolutely have learned that I used to take my sleep for granted. I used to think that on a night of poor sleep that I could still perform well with poker or sales and, and have that mental performance. I cannot. Uh, and I've realized as well, the impact of a really fun craft cocktail right before bed or wine late at night, the impact that has had on my sleep is detrimental. So being able to learn to not eat so late and not drink so late and take that sleep seriously and think about what it'll do for my next day. That's been a game changer for me. That's a great answer. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay, welcoming Amber onto the Biohacker Babes podcast. Amber, tell us who you are. Hi, Amber Caesar, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and STEM education outreach specialist from State College, Pennsylvania. And? And former client of Lauren Sambatero. Amber is amazing. She's a longtime listener of the Biohacker Babes and is also a health practitioner. All right, two questions. You're up. Okay, so my favorite biohack right now is red light therapy. And I just find it extremely relaxing and helps to like lower my stress. Amazing. And then my, what has moved the needle the most the, for my health has been blood sugar monitoring and blood sugar management. So balancing my blood sugars. I love it. And are you currently wearing CGM? I am not currently, but I have in the past. Um, and I cycle on to one not every like at least once a year but maybe twice so every six months okay one more question what is the most surprising thing you've learned from your cgm i think for me it was to make the changes to remove some processed foods that i loved but then i would watch my blood sugar just sit high for hours on end and so it really got me to focus on eating whole foods it is so personalized and okay more motivation for all of you to test your blood sugar can't say it enough amber thank you so much this is so wonderful also we're in person this is such a treat thank you for having me 
Next up is my mom, Cindy Sampatero. All right, the floor is yours. My favorite biohack is coffee. Yes! <laughs> no, seriously, it's working out, movement. I boost my endorphins and I just feel great. Amazing. And number two? Number two, what moves the needle for me most is regarding sleep because I can measure it. And when I don't eat too close to bedtime and don't drink alcohol and take a little time to wind down, I have an amazing night's sleep, guaranteed. Sleep queen, thank you. Love you, mom. All right, OG biohacker here, Gene, Dr. Gene Sambatero, our dad. What you got? What I got, let's see. My favorite uh, biohack, I'd have to say it's ARX. Uh, as you age, you know, you start to lose muscle mass. So uh, I like to find something that I can maximize my time also because I'm so busy. So that's, that would be my favorite. What's, um, trying to think of things that have actually moved the needle on me. I'd have to say that probably the most uh, effective was the hyperbaric chamber, uh, especially during COVID. When I had COVID, uh, it really brought me back to life. So uh, I think that's a, a remarkable piece of equipment that everyone should try out. Uh, it's not just for treating stroke and cardiovascular issues, but also uh, it's great for just longevity. And then I have to say that uh, some of my favorite things are when we talk about scalar energy, uh, I think for healing, things like the Rasha. And I just got introduced to something called the IMAET, which is a biofeedback using uh, energy frequencies also. And I'm doing a little uh, test, uh, N equals one. Uh, people don't talk about uh, uh, what is causing someone to get up and urinate in the night other than prostate or bladder issues. Um, but what about uh, the release of certain hormones, that, uh, like the antidiuretic hormones? So I'm doing a little test here, stimulating the hypothalamus and pituitary with some from scalar energy to see uh, what the effect is. So biohacking is for everybody. You got to try it. Amen to that. Love you, Dad. All right. Welcome on our 98-and-a-half-year-old great-aunt Kay. You have lived a very long and healthy life. Can you tell us what are your secrets? Actually, my secret is day to day to day, whatever happens when on the day, and I can help us somebody or 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 I can make somebody happy, I do it. it it's kind of nice to help people. It's, I don't do it forever, but I do it anytime I'm in this in the area. <laughs> That's it. Goodbye. Love you. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Ann Gardner. I got introduced to Lauren um, through the Mixed Fitness platform. Discovered her because I was looking on Instagram and discovered her and her sister's podcast. And probably about, I don't know, two years ago, a year and a half ago, got interested in biohacking um, and just kind of figuring out ways how I could help myself because I had a lot of uh, joint pain and pain. And so really got into that and followed her and her sister and then uh, read some more things, followed other people because of that and have had a lot of positive uh, outcomes because of some of the things I've tried. Amazing. So, and now that you're in the biohacking space, what is your favorite biohack? And my favorite biohack since January is the cold plunge. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I'm addicted. Yes. So we have to give a shout out to Jesse Barton, who also 
friend and mixed fitness coach who you follow and she's all about the cold plunging. Thank you, Jesse, for, for pushing the cold. And so yes. we have a little cold tribe. Love Jesse. And I actually got to meet Jesse and we, we thought about plunging in the Rio Grande, but it was a little too high while she was here. Well, she was in New Mexico, so we couldn't do it. <laughs> Whole plunging in nature is the best. I love it. So yes. second question, what has moved the needle the most on your health and wellness? So probably that, probably the cold plunging um, for me, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of things, but for me, probably that I had um, prior to January, I had, I would say a lot of joint pain. I had a lot of lower back pain. Um, I was taking Tylenol like every day. I was going to the acupuncturist, I was going to the physical therapist. And although I got some relief, I always kind of had a pain. And so I did actually the other ship um, challenge in January. That's how I started. And I started <laughs> literally in the bathtub with ice because I was like, I don't really know if I'm going to like it or not. And I would say I had such a change that I mean, I, I literally have zero back pain. I, I mean, I really have zero back pain and the joint pain is so decreased. It's it's really kind of miraculous. So for me, for inflama inflammation, I think the cold plunge for my husband, he also amazingly just does this with me. And for him, I think it's a, a kick of mentals, <laughs> like got ready for the day. Um, and so he, he also does it daily. I, it's crazy. I can't believe it. I never would have guessed that I liked cold water so much, but I do. <laughs> Incredible. Thank you for sharing with your husband as well. And yeah. we're so glad you discovered cold and thanks for following and supporting us. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. All right, biohackers. We're going to round out this episode. Part three, it's going to be a little bit of a biohacking weather report. Um, what we're doing, our current experiments, what we're thinking about trying, feeling, and some future forecasts for the biohacking industry slash wishes. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot first, okay. Renee. What are you experimenting with? Okay. What I'm trying right now, which is not anything new, but full spectrum CBD. And I've had some not so great experiences in the past, which made me switch to um, just pure CBD with no THC. I'm talking zero THC detected in the product versus full spectrum, which would have a small amount. And I'm not thinking it's working so well. I'm like trying to stay optimistic. I've tried multiple brands. I tried a new brand last night. Could it be a coincidence? Maybe, but I had like the craziest, most anxiety-driven dreams all night. Even my mm. data showed my heart rate was elevated way above normal most of the night. And I went to bed at 10. Like I did all the things right. I finished dinner by seven, went to bed at 10, blocked all the blue light, just terrible night of sleep. So I'm like, Oh my God, a particularly stressful day yesterday. Anything weighing on your mind? No, no. Like I, I'm like racking my brain. Like I'm like, I had caffeine at one o'clock. Would that have done it? But no, I have caffeine at one a lot of times, you know? So mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm experimenting because a lot of people really get a lot of benefits from full spectrum CBD. But we had a recent guest on the show, Don Moxley, where we talked a lot about the cannabinoids and HRV and inflammation, all these things. And he actually said he's seeing a small percentage of the population, typically young, uh, thin females that are not only not responding, but they're actually having a negative effect. So there's something there. So the reason I am even sharing this today is one, remember, we are all so different, 
right? We're going to say that a million times. We're all so different. Two, has anyone else had an experience like this with CBD, without THC or with THC? Like my husband can have 10 milligrams of THC and sleep great. Like, so I don't know. I'm kind of throwing it out there. What what have you all tried in this realm? I'm so curious what's going on here and I want to figure it out. So that's my first thing. My second thing is the NAD patches, which I talked about on a few episodes ago. I'm really liking them. It's just like such a slight increase in energy, but it's also maybe some of it's placebo too, like knowing that NAD is so good for cellular energy, mitochondria, longevity, health span. And I like, I kind of like the patch. Like you put it on for 14 hours and kind of look like a superhero for the day. You look like an athlete. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good conversation starter. That's for sure. So I'm still really liking those. I'm not going to do the IVs for a while. I'm taking a break from that. It was just too time consuming and too expensive. So NAD patches are my current win at the moment. Very expensive. And dad and I were talking the other day about intramuscular injections of NAD potentially being better for absorption and they last longer. There's the the curve with NAD IVs. Apparently they're seeing it get a big spike and then drops off very fast with intramuscular. I think it's supposed to last a little bit longer. So I actually just got some NAD intramuscular injections. And how did that go? Nope. Haven't tried it yet. Sitting on the counter. (laughs) Oh oh, yeah. Are you going to do it yourself? Oh yeah. Oof. I am on your own is you're brave, braver than me. I suppose I could ask Jeremy to do it, but I don't know. Done a a bunch of needles, CGM, peptides. How much worse could it be? It's, it's bigger. It's a bigger needle. You'll notice. Okay. (laughs) Not to freak you out. (laughs) All right. I'll report back. You can do it. Yeah. But that's um, sitting on my counter along with actually a lot of CBD products. And I have had some similar experiences. I've actually had some hallucinatory experiences from CBD with trace amounts of THC, which I am very curious too, because I don't, historically, I don't feel like I've been that sensitive to THC. I don't really like cannabis. And I definitely don't think I've ever slept deeper because of it, but it's, I've never been super sensitive to it. So these trace amounts and the CBD products is definitely has my ears perked. So I would love to hear from the audience as well. What's working. I have done isolated CBD spectrums that work really well. And I feel like I sleep really peacefully, but I don't know. This is the thing with biohacking. We want to do the self-experimentation, but I always tell clients with just experimentation in general, especially with a CGM, we want to have good behaviors and to affect our physiology positively. So we don't want to always be running experiments. I think you have to have a, a certain amount of time carved out specifically for experiments. The rest of the time, a majority of the time, you want to stick to what you've already learned that works consistently and makes you feel good. So it's kind of my advice is, is a biohacker, curate that experimental time. Not every day should be experiment time. Yeah. Especially if it's a sleep experiment. Oh gosh. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. Not worth it. Yeah. Not worth it. And I see that. that with CGMs, like the Dexcom, which is Bluetooth driven, you have to have your Bluetooth on. And so there's an alarm system because they're calibrated for diabetics. And so it will wake people up in the middle of the night if it drops too low. And it's alarming. I can't tell you how many clients I've had whose partners have said, do I need to take you to the hospital? That sound is really alarming. It disrupts both people, eventually wake up your whole house. Not worth it. But we also don't want to just ignore that data. It's important to know if you're going hypoglycemic in the middle of the night. So maybe if you can tolerate it, if there's a night where you could 
forfeit a little bit of sleep one night a week. Let's, let's do all the things, implement all the strategies that we know to balance glucose through the night, but you still want to check in maybe one night a week and see if it's improved. We don't want to ignore it altogether. You also don't want to bomb your sleep seven nights a week. Yeah. Good advice. All right. What about you? CGM are you still using? Um, I just finished, uh, another two week stint and we just did an episode all about CGMs again, but, um, yeah, it's nice to just do two weeks every once in a while and just experiment with some things. I guess the main thing I learned was a higher sugar kombucha on an empty stomach before dinner was not a win for me, but, um, yeah, that was the only real big takeaway this round. Okay. Guess the other thing I'm experimenting with is just getting a little more nuance with microdosing psilocybin, really experimenting with different strains. Psilocybin is going through this emergence right now where we're realizing there's just endless amounts of strains, dosage, obviously intensely personal. It's kind of going through the same trajectory that cannabis went through. Remember when everyone started smoking weed, doing gummies, it was no one asked what it was, what kind of strain, what, <laughs> where did you get right. it from? How'd you source it? It was just weed. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of and then I feel like when psilocybin started to emerge, it was just mushrooms. But now we're seeing more nuances. And so I'm playing with dosing at different times of the day. Some strains can particularly be more beneficial in the evening, different strains for different outcomes or different feelings that you want to feel. So a more creative day versus a more focused day versus a more flow day versus a more balanced day. So kind of playing around in there to, to figure out how do I curate the, the best experience? Cause there's not just one. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So that's kind of the current weather report, what we're seeing in the future, what I'm hoping to, I'm just going to drop this into the ether. Cause I feel like if I say it, maybe it's more likely to happen. I really want a device. When you asked that question earlier, what device, my question, what device would you wear if it was just one for life? What I'm waiting for is there for, for there to be a CGM or a ring Hanu all in one. That trifecta would be really amazing. It might be coming. It might be coming. If they can do the CGM with the watch, if Hanu can make it more accurate through the watch, I think we might see something like in the next couple of years. wrist strap and you'd still have to have two devices, but streamlined through one app. You think it? No, I'm talking- no, I'm talking about the watch that will be able to estimate your glucose without uh-huh. without the filament. I think that's coming in the next year. Interesting. Because the CGMs right now are 100% accurate. I mean, the manufacturers say you could be 20 points above, you could be 20 points below. below. For a lot of people, that's really kind of catastrophic and stressful. So very curious to see how accurate they will be. But if it's coming in the next year, then in 10 years, we're going to be really good. So holding out, not holding my breath. But wishing, hoping, praying. Hey, time flies. It'll be here before we know it. Yeah. And something else else that's right around the corner is a continuous insulin monitor. That, like, I think any day now we're going to start getting access to it. It might maybe more for diabetics at first, but that's cool because glucose is only half the picture, right? Like Mm -hmm. what's actually happening with insulin? And of course, you know, we can do fasting insulin tests, but that's just, again, a snapshot in time. If we can actually see your glucose and your insulin and your ketones, all three on a 24-hour cycle, that could be pretty cool. And the same company that is making that, that I I can't remember the name of their company, they're also talking about 
possibly incorporating cortisol. I don't know if it's going to be in the same device or a separate device, but that's another one to see your cortisol over 24 hours. That would be cool. I feel like that may be a better use in a clinical setting or with patients and clients, not so much a consumable. Yeah, that's a good point. Until the research and the literature catches up on a healthier population, I I foresee that just being a data overload, too much stress. It's enough for people to just look at their glucose right now. We really need to have a holistic understanding and critical thinking to be able to see big picture what's happening. But as a practitioner, I would love to get my hands on one of those. Yeah. Though I don't even know what is our insulin supposed to look like over a 24-hour period. I'll be the guinea pig. I'll be the guinea pig. (laughs) I'll be the guinea pig too. But anyways, send me one. I think lots of exciting stuff coming out. So um, we're here for it. And we will continue to share our experiences with you. So we'll circle back about our CBD, NAD patches, NAD injections, psilocybin, microdosing. And yeah, we have a a full year post 200. We are going to keep this train going Monday mornings. We are are committed to bringing you the best that we can offer at all times, but we always love hearing from all of you and thanks for getting us to 200. Yeah, we couldn't do it without you all. And gosh, it's been an amazing four years and we have almost the next six months already planned out. We just have so much exciting stuff coming your way. And if you are listening to this episode 200, the day it goes out, we will be heading to the biohacking conference in a few days. So if you all are there, please stop us. We would love to say hi. I'm a hugger. Come say hi, please. It'll be great. I'm a hugger too. And I made Renee and I new sweatshirt. So you can't miss us. Look for the Biohacker Babes logo on a white sweatshirt. We run yes. around. Yeah. All, All right, right, Biohackers. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today. And we'll see you next time. Hey, Biohackers. Renee and I are so excited to share with you the Quantified Collective. We just joined this amazing community. We are leaning into wearable health technology while embracing data sovereignty. So it is a community that we all own, and we're really leaning into optimizing our health potential together as a community. Now we brought on Dr. Kyle Berquist, who is going to tell you all of the magic about the Quantified Collective. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you, guys. Laura and Renee, so good to see you. The Quantified Collective is truly looking to revolutionize health and wellness. This is a huge moonshot that we're all on together. It's a trillion dollar mission, but the collective really does envision a world where peer-to-peer medicine is the norm, right? If we can decentralize uh, citizen science and create a true new paradigm in healthcare, I think we've met our mission. Uh, We are going to harness wearable technology and other cutting edge technologies and labs to learn more about ourselves and then be able to teach each other what's working and what's not working. We really see that the collective has the ability to build a truth machine for health and wellness that empowers every individual with knowledge so they can make informed decisions about what's working for their well-being. Uh, Here's the best part. It's open to all of us. So whether you're a seasoned researcher, you're a passionate biohacker, or someone just really eager to contribute to a meaningful community, we welcome you, right? We want you with us. So uh, we want to break open silos. We want to allow everyone to own their own data. And we want to collaborate with everybody so that we can create this extraordinary mission together. Let's reshape healthcare. Let's reorganize the way things are being done. Uh, So come create the future with us. We would love to have you. 
To learn more uh, and become part of the Quantified Collective, visit the website at quantifiedcollective.org and sign up to join us today. Thanks, Kyle, for taking the time to share that with our audience today. Yes, and thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. What did you say about biohacking? I said that doesn't sound legal. Legal? Legal. Legal. Is this, it sounds like a bad word. What do you think that biohacking is? I don't know. What's bio? Bio, because anything. Like biology? Bio, biology and all that, that kind of stuff. So it's hacking your biology. Oh. Well... <laughs>